bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Welcome everyone to another great episode of Solo De Facto. I'm your host, Tom Dufton, and I'm here with a caring person. He's an expert in many different areas of the law. He's a partner at Antonavage Farbiars. I'm here with Russell Farbiars. Russell, how are you today? Great. How are you today, Tom? I'm doing great. So we're just going to hop into the deep end of the pool here. We're going to go right for it. What's the one thing you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm? I, the one thing is, is that, that running a law firm is running a business. I I think as, as lawyers, we, we don't get a lot of training in, in, in business, uh, in law school. And we are, we are told and that we are part of, part of a profession and we are part of a profession, but the, the other part that we're told is that because we're part of this profession, that we are somehow special um, which maybe we are, uh, at, but we are then exempt from the normal rigors of, ru- of running a business. And I see that, that most law firms don't hold themselves out as a business, don't make decisions the way a business would. Uh, and that leads to a lot of heartache, a, a lot of law firm failures, a lot of, you know, general, the general misery that can affect uh, a lot of, uh, of solo or small practitioners. Now, why do you see this as such a major issue? Because, so as as, as lawyers, we just want to we want to go and be a lawyer. We want to we want to practice our craft, but you can't you can't practice your craft if you can't get clients. You can't pay pay your pay your overhead, uh, and if you can't make smart decisions. You know, you can't take everyone who comes in the door because not every client's going to be pro- going to be profitable. You have to know exactly what your what your focus is, uh, where you want your business to go, who you want to serve, uh, and what you, and what you want to do. Now that is such a great point there, and I think a lot of people just kind of get caught up in the everyday of not realizing that it's actually a business at the end of the day. And now, why is that such a thing for students at law school? You know, they think they're not really taught the business aspect of it. So now when they really get into this, it's a bit of a struggle. So law school is all is all about teaching and learning a particular way of thinking. Um, that would be, you know, a very analytical thought process. So we're in law school, we're, we're really taught, you know, to think like think like a lawyer, um, you know. I, I remember when I was in law school, we had this. We there was, there was this joke, and I'm sure any everyone who's a lawyer has probably has probably heard this. You know, at the end of the at the end of the first year, you say that you're you're one third lawyer, two thirds human, and by the end of the, by the by the end of your third year, of course, you are now fully fully lawyer and and you know no parts human, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and but. But it, it sort of illustrates that you sort of you go through this transformation 
in in the way that you think and approach the world uh you know you can't you don't isolate it just to you know when you're when you're being a lawyer i mean you, you sort of develop this different way of thinking um about about things and that's and that's really critically important but you know if they took some of the time that they that they spent you know in law school teaching us how to use use citations and use what's called the blue book um and took some of that time and actually taught us you know how do you talk to clients you know how do you create a business plan how how do you how do you manage a staff uh you know how do you market you know those would all be helpful tools as well and probably more practical than blue book citation because i can tell you it's probably i can't remember the last time i took out my blue book and needed to do a citation <laughs> now i think that's one thing that it becomes a reoccurring issue there's a lot of the personality people feel like they're often have to be stuffy uptight suit and tie and that seems like that's kind of a way of the past now so if you mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about that as well well I, I absolutely agree with that, you know, and I have always tried not to be the, the stuffy lawyer. And I've had a lot of clients who have said to me that, that they feel comfortable talking to me because I'm not, I don't feel, it doesn't feel like they're talking to a lawyer, you know? And, and I think that it's important to, to have a personality and to have your personality be part of your practice and your experience with, with clients, uh, you know, Sometimes I think, you know, you know, you can even go down to the way, the way we dress it, 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 while it's important to look professional, sometimes if you take off the, the jacket and the tie, your clients are going to be more comfortable. You know, I practice where I practice primarily is in a, in a farming community, um, in, uh, in Southeastern Pennsylvania, my clients come in and they might be wearing overalls. They might, you know, they might be wearing, you know, Maybe they're wearing a button-down shirt. Maybe they're not. You know, they when they when they see me without without a, a jacket and a tie on, like it's significant to them. <laughs> they they comment on it, you know, and not in a negative way. They you know, and I think that sometimes it it just makes you know being a real person, and it allows you also to empathize with your clients and connect with them on a more emotional level. Now, I think that's something that's really key in not just this business, but any business really is being able to empathize with your clients. And that's just such a massive struggle for people in general, because I feel like the personality is kind of hard to come through there. And is that something that happens a lot in law school and starting off as a lawyer too, is you feel like the personality has to be tamped down? Um. Well, if it was supposed to be, I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's, if, if you want to be, you know, truly in like a corporate law setting, you want to be, you know, you, to a certain extent in the judicial setting. And I say that because judges have personalities too. They, I mean, I mean, they, you, they, you know, and they may not, may not always come out directly when you're, when you're sitting, when you're in court, but, you know, our personalities govern a lot of how we approach the world. And if we just try to sort of stuff that down and ignore it, we're, you, you, you're not going to seem authentic. And clients pick up on that. They don't like inauthenticity. In, in, in so. 
I know. I always struggle with that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Little tongue twister here. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, it's one of those days. It's a Friday yeah. and it's snowing. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> now it seems like that's a big um, common misconception there. And is that part of some of the? What are some of the other common misconceptions in the area of in the in the business area of law that you're passionate about? I have a plan. Know what you want to do. You know, and and, and I'll and I'll say. I'm, I'm guilty as anyone else of, of not really getting this, you know, really until a couple of years ago. And a lot of it is due to, you know, some, some coaching that, that I've had uh, through the lawyerist program. Uh, but it really helps sort of frame, uh, frame, your, frame your thinking to, to realize, number one, you can't be everything to everyone. And you need to have a plan about what you want to do and how you're going to get there you know, so that you can go into each day and make your business and your practice 1% better. I love that the 1% better. And I feel like a lot of people think that they have to be Superman in a sense, they have to be experts at everything. Now, that's something that just kind of needs to be put away too. So if you want to talk about that as well. Well, I have to credit Stephanie Everett at Lawyerist with that phrase, because that's not my phrase. But that's something that that we that that gets taught in, in the lawyers program is, is, you know, you can't do everything in one day. And, you know, you know, you think about the phrase Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, well, neither was your business and neither was your practice, but if you can just do, do one thing, two things, three things in a day that make you 1% better, then that's, then you've succeeded. And you have to realize that when you start putting all of those 1% betters together, all of a sudden you, you're, you have transformed your business. Now, that's something, too, that people feel like they just have to get it right off the bat. You know, mistakes happen, pain, growing pains along the way. And that's kind of part of the process in a lot of this, isn't it? It, it is. And, you know, another lesson that, I, that I've learned is that it's okay to be wrong, you know, because you, you might decide, I want to do X in my business. And you might try really, really hard to make X happen, and if an X doesn't get any traction, then you you might decide that you, you it's okay to decide that you're not going to do X anymore. Now that's something that I feel like all the time people just feel like they have to be okay, perfect at this, perfect at this, perfect at that, and this is my path. This is my I will not deviate from the path. But mm-hmm. deviations are kind of the whole point. You know, you have to find right. out what you're good at, what you're not good at. And that's just something that comes with time and a lot of this. And I feel like, I feel like patience is a big thing in this. Is that right? Yes. You have to, you have to be able to play the long game. Um, and I can tell you, I am not great at playing the long game. <laughs> um, I've tried to get a lot better at it, because, but you have to be able to say, okay, I want to get here. I'm not going to get here today. I'm not going to get here tomorrow, but maybe I'm going to get there in a month, two months, three months, and be able to do the things that you need to do to get there, because you you don't you don't necessarily have the luxury to spend 40 hours a week improving your business because you also have to service your clients. So now we talked about some of the misconceptions there and talked about things that you're really good at there, but let's take it to another direction here. What are one or two things that you find most challenging or that you're struggling with? 
<laughs> Only one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't want to get too negative with it. So, <laughs> I mean, I I sometimes I feel like I I have undiagnosed ADD because I I I go in so many different directions and it, and sometimes the focus can be a challenge. Is just and 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 I I've been working really really hard to try to stay focused on okay these are this is what I said was the priority for this quarter we're going to do this you know this other thing that you know seems like a like a bright and shiny object cuz i i suffer from shiny object syndrome you know i'm you know i'm always like oh, oh look at that shiny thing over there let's you know let's uh let's look at that like i i think setting quarterly goals has really been helpful to me in terms of trying to just stay as close to on task as possible. <laughs> now, I feel like that's a great way to do it because if you set it quarterly, you give yourself time to accomplish these goals and then you can reflect and say, hey, did I get that done? Did I not get that done? You know, what steps do I need to take to get that done? Right. And now what excites you about the future? You know what, you know what I find really exciting is that, you know, as we're as we're moving out of, you know, hopefully knock on wood, the acute phase of the <laughs> pandemic is that we have all learned that, that the world is not as big as we thought it was. So, and what I mean by that is I don't have to just rely, rely on clients that are within say 30 miles of my office. I can work with clients, you know, you know, all across the state in other states, because I'm licensed in other states, um, I can, you know, I, I can reach broader audiences through tools such, such as this, such as podcasts and such as, you know, YouTube and whatnot. And it just seems like there are just so many, so many more opportunities um, to reach people. There's also more opportunities for things like, for like hiring, like I most recent, my most recent hire, was actually a paralegal who who lives uh, in Iowa, um, and you know you, you can really find great talent out there if you don't limit yourself to to the thirty mile radius around your office. I feel like that's been such a great part of feels weird to say great part of the pandemic, but <laughs> all the access to technology has just been unbelievable with all this. I mean, right. we're doing Zoom now; everyone can zoom into work and all that great technology there. So what are some other technologies that you're using to help you with that? So we use, I mean, we, I mean, we, we use zoom, zoom a lot. Um, most of my consults are zoom or telephone. I, I try to try to prefer, try to get clients to choose zoom. Although there's a lot of zoom fatigue these days. Yep. So, so sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. Um, we, we use smoke ball as our practice management uh, and we do, we do use, uh, we also use Lawmatics uh, for, for intake and for marketing, which is really great because, you know, you know, I can set a lot of automations and it will send out, you know, we have a whole email series when someone, you know, expresses interest in estate planning and, you know, when, once they've had an appointment, we can send out our fee agreements and, you know, there's a lot of things that happen automatically, which is really nice. I know it feels like co- technology is just constantly involving there, and it's just it can be a little overwhelming at times, right? <laughs> it's it's incredibly overwhelming, and the 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 thing that I've that I've learned 
about to, about all of these different programs is none of them are right. None of them are perfect. You just have to focus on, you know, picking the best tool for the, the task that you're, you're trying to accomplish. All these tools want to be the, want to be all in one tools, but it's really, really hard to find something that's truly an all in one tool. That's good at everything that you want it to be good at. And it feels like you have to use all sorts of different technologies just to get to the sweet spot there. That's right. That's absolutely right. So now we've heard a lot from you, but you know, I want to know, who are you? Tell me, take me back in time here, you know, all the way to little Russell, take me way back here. <laughs> um, so I grew, I grew up uh, Long Island, New York, Suffolk County, um, graduated, you know, graduated high school. I, and I went to college, Brandeis University, uh, outside of Boston. Um, Boston is a great, is a great place. You know, I honestly never thought I'd leave. Uh, you know, and, and after, uh, after college, I was a politics and history major, which I, I always said qualified me, uh, really to do one thing, which was to get more schooling. <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, took some time off. I, I worked for a public health nonprofit, uh, based out of Boston medical center. Uh, and I, um, and lived in, lived in Boston for a year, which was a really, really neat experience. And then, uh, went to law school and, you know, lost my humanity as I talked about before. <laughs> I still think you're a great person. So I think you got your humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and that's where I met my wife. Uh, and she's all, she's also an attorney and, um, her, fa her father was an attorney. He had a practice, um, in, in, in Pennsylvania, which is, which is where we, we ended up settling. Uh, and I, I've, I've been working, I started working with her. I initially started, uh, as a, well, before we moved to Pennsylvania, I was a law clerk, um, in Bennington, Vermont. So Southwest Vermont. Um, and then we moved to Pennsylvania. I worked for the district attorney's office and then went, went into practice with my father-in-law and, and then my wife joined us. And then, um, at this point it's, it's just me, it's just, I'm the only full-time lawyer with, with, with the firm. My, my wife, uh, stopped working when the, when the pandemic hit and now she's she's working for uh for one of our newly elected judges in our in our in our courthouse uh and my father-in-law had been um had left in 2014 as he was appointed to uh, serve as a judge no that's great what are yeah. some things that you know outside of work what are you passionate about well i i'm i'm very i have three children and i'm very passionate about them um, and, and then our, our fur baby, uh, is our, we have a, a mini schnauzer and I, I, he, he's, we, we got him shortly after we got married. So now he's, he's a little, he's gotten a little old. He has diabetes. And I, and I feel like, you know, I'm very passionate about making sure he gets every, you know, the treatments that he needs. So I, you know, do a lot. Um, and, you know, and I said, I have three kids, so I, you know, whatever hobbies I used to have are, are sort of put on the back burner, but, um, I am a, I am a, a big baseball fan. Um, and you know, pre pandemic, we try to get to games, uh, whenever I could. 
Well, now that since you're in Pennsylvania, does that make you a Pittsburgh Pirates fan for baseball, or do you still have the Red Sox from being in Boston? So, I am actually a New York Mets fan because I grew up as a as a Mets fan. My my num my number two is is the red is the Red Sox because when I lived in the in the Boston area, it was right it was right as they were breaking the curse. Uh, so it was like the 2003 2004 uh, era, and you, you just and I lived where I lived in Boston was right near Fenway, so it was it was a it was a great time to be be in that area. <laughs> oh, it's the city of champions. You can't complain with that. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, when I was in school there, uh, when I was in Boston, it was uh, not too long ago, but I remember being there for the. Uh, 2018, I think it was championship for the Red Sox. And that was just a blast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Being in that whole area is a lot of fun. So yes. yes. It's a great experience. But now that I know that you're not a Red Sox fan, it makes it a little more challenging there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have two words for you Bill Buckner. <laughs> but that's probably before your time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least you're not a Yankees fan. So we can still have that. We can still have that in common. <laughs> I, you, you, no, I, I am, I am most certainly not a Yankees fan. <laughs> I mean, this has been such a great conversation, Russell. Where can people connect with you? Sure. So you can, you can always connect with me uh, on my, on our, on our website, which is AntonAvageFarbiars.com. Um, we're on social media, so if you you can follow us on on Facebook. Uh, as well as on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And, or, or you can email me, uh, which is rfarbrs, R-F-A-R-B-I-A-R-Z at afalawfirm.com. Well, Russell, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Sure. Thanks for having me, Tom. And I want to thank the listeners as well. If you learned a lot from this episode, and I know I did, I mean, I got two pages of notes front and back here. So <laughs> I learned a lot. I know you did. So. If you learned something, share this episode. And that's great. This has been another great episode of Solo De Facto, and I will catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetty's.com and mention the Solo De Facto show for an exclusive listener offer.